In the early 2000s, a global climate crisis emerged from humankind's disregard for the Earth and its natural systems. Scientists warned of an apocalypse, the likes of which could eradicate human existence. The blaming began, with the leaders of many powerful nations pointing fingers at each other. Eventually, war erupted, and deadly nuclear salvos fired from the biggest superpowers ravaged much of the Earth, destroying and radiating large portions of its surface. Certain major cities survived, and from the ashes rose again. The survivors did what they could, utilizing the resources of a few very wealthy corporations to combat the climate crisis. For almost a century, civilization has survived, hobbled together with corporate governance, and expanded to the few sections of the globe still viable for sustaining human life. Antarctica, once an inhospitable frozen tundra, has become one such bastion for human life. Colonized by a Scottish arms corporation called Militech, Pilatus Antarctica is a thriving metropolis of the future. This is a time of technological innovation. Everyday citizens can purchase powerful cybernetic enhancements. Animals long extinct are cloned back into existence, and hackers navigate the internet by plugging their consciousness into a virtual environment. One such company on the forefront of technological advancement is Sahara, a cyber tech giant. They have recently begun human trials of a revolutionary new implant that connects into the spine of a human and saves data of that person, including their personality, memories, and talents. This Phoenix chip has the capability to stall the effects of death by allowing the user to be implanted into a new body when they are struck by mortality. Many applicants signed up for this trial, and very few were selected. A team of three rose through the ineptitude. What adventures are in store for this trio, and will dying repeatedly have a lasting effect on the human psyche? Only time will tell in this world of the future. The dark future, that is. Okay, so I am Jesse, and I am playing Abel Lee Sullivan of the Sullivans. All right, well, when she went into the office, Abel is wearing her best black jeans with her best black t-shirt and her best leather flack jacket that is also black. Um, she's got a steel bar um, piercing through her right ear and her uh, left eyebrow has a, a row of piercings across um, across the, the left corner. And she carries herself with a little bit of a kind of hunched, slumped shoulders, hands in the pockets, really relaxed stance. Um, 
and her jacket's like really bulky, um, almost to the point where you either think that she got that jacket from somebody else or doesn't know how to dress herself because she's 22. She's got a big chip on her shoulder. What is your, what's your, and what's your role, um, for folks at home, uh, in cyberpunk characters don't have classes like they would in a typical fantasy RPG. We have roles instead, which is more like a, a job, like an everyday sort of, you go to work and this is what you do. Uh, this is what makes you the money. Uh, so, so cyberpunk be, because it's based in like a futuristic city, it's more of a, uh, you know, a real world job that you could have just, you're just like, good at this a little bit better than other people um other than that you're just you know normal so uh abel is a media so she has um a good a good grasp on kind of uh persuading people or getting them to see her perspective and also good at kind of uncovering things and um definitely a child of the streets a bit and uses that to her advantage as a medium. Yeah, you said you said she uh, she's like a tagger. She likes to. Yeah, I mean um, she she does some uh, she does some tagging in her free time, you know. Uh, but you do you like run a blog? Why? Who's asking? I'm gonna since it looks like the girls are distracted. Uh, keep it up, guys. You're doing great. I'm gonna run over to this fucker and train my gun on him specifically. At his nether regions. And okay, say, you can get to within um, about 20 meters of him. 20 meters? Okay. On and your move, yeah. So that'll be my move, and then I'm going to hold my action, but I'm going to say, um, call your bitches off, or you're going to have a really sad rest of your fucking life. And then okay. I'll just, if he... Um, does not call them off or seems like he's going to attack in any way, I'm going to shoot him. We're going to do something a little different here because this has not come up yet and I think it should because what you are trying to do right now is uh, not everything on the street is determined with fists or guns. In a world where combat can end your life in a hot nanosecond, other methods have evolved to determine who is going to be the top dog in a conflict. Um, so we're going to use your reputation to determine how this is going to play out. And it's going to be like your role versus his role. And mm -hmm. whoever wins is going to have the advantage in determining the outcome of this thing. So my credibility? Yeah, it's kind of... Um, yeah. I will say... I am looking at a chart to determine your reputation level. And I'm thinking stories are all over your local area. Yeah. Okay, so that would be a reputation of four. Dope. On a, on a possible scale of ten. So you're going to take that mm -hmm. four, add okay. it to your cool, add it to a d10, and this will determine whether or not the enemy opponent will back down or take a negative three to any future checks made against this particular opponent due to fear until they defeat them once. Okay. So, it's a 13 plus 6, which puts us at a 19. All right. He rolled an 8. He has a cool of 4. So, that's 12. And he has a reputation of 6. 
so he's uh, 18. 18. Yeah, bitch! <laughs> That's fucking cool! He sees you, like, pull up on him with your gun drawn, and he's like, shit, shit, don't shoot me! This is a new suit! Okay, fuck, um... This has never happened before. Let me process this for a minute. Yeah, and, and it's never gonna just... happen again, motherfucker. And he, and he just, like, kind of drops to his knees and, and thinks about the ramifications that you were gonna instill upon his career, his livelihood, and the rest of time. Yeah, the rest of your fucking generations. And after, like, a spell, like, all, all of the girls have stopped fighting, and they're just kind of waiting to see what the fuck's gonna happen here. And after a time, he's just like, listen, uh, I don't mean no disrespect. The the Kennedys, they, they said they got a big contract out for you, and, like, we took it because our show really, really needs the ratings. But listen, my life ain't worth it. Okay? Fuck. Do you know why fucked heads like the Kennedys outsource these kind of jobs? Do you do you know why? Why would they send you of all people after me? Do you fucking know who I am? They said you were like some sort of some sort of rat. You talked or something. That's all I know, man. If I was just a fucking rat, You'd lay out traps. You wouldn't send out a fucking kill squad to get them. You tell the Kennedys that if they send another set of jackasses after me, I'm sending them back in body bags with their dicks in their hands. You got it? And Ruth Ann's just like, oh shit, this took a weird turn, okay. And um, the, the guy is just like, all right, girls, uh, let's pack it up. Uh, we got a good day of shooting. Um, you know, great job, everybody. Oh, let's and uh, Lizard up. Boy? Yeah? Not you, Saul. This Lizard oh. Boy. Oh, you were talking to me? Yeah. Tell Kamiko if she ever wants a cup of coffee to, you know, give me a call. Okay, get the fuck out of here. Same with Rondo, she's cool. And they just, the, the cameraman just, like, stops recording, and he's just like, lost a fucking camera over this. This is bullshit. They don't pay me enough for this. And starts to leave, and all the girls just, like, kind of put away their weapons and, like, walk away, like, arm in arm, just, like, discussing current events as if nothing, none of this ever happened. Um, the producer has pissed himself and is trying very hard to, like, scrub it out of his suit uh, until the cameraman just, like, picks him up and kind of just, like, walks him away. And then they're gone. As soon as they're completely out of earshot or sight, I'm just going to kind of, like, dry retch into the corner of the alley. Like, uh, uh, okay, that was a lot. <laughs> uh, who wants to go next? I'll go. Hello, all. <laughs> Demi! My name, my name is Demi. It's very nice to have your acquaintance. And my character is Soyphone G. Um, Soyphone G, fuck. Sorry. Oh, crap, no cursing. Okay. 
So fun to get the name it's, and net it's, running on, it's not on the radio. You can curse as much as you want. Continue. Oh, word. Okay. So we just got fined, Jimmy. And net running is the fucking game. <laughs> okay. So I am all things technology, all things net, all things net space. Um, I am not too fond of my meat, meat suit. Um, very dark past, and there's a lot of things associated with that that wants me out of it. So I spend a lot of time in that space. Um, I come off as aloof, however. Um, I'm not actually once you get to know me. Um, I speak. I only speak when spoken to. Um, otherwise I'm always figuring out the next best way to take advantage of my knowledge of net space. Let's see. My visage is very baby-like, so very symmetrical. Um, half Japanese, half Chinese-American. Um, black Chinese-American, just want to throw that in there. Um, long black hair, and I'm often seen in my cyber suit, which, al- which almost makes me look nude. Um, same color as my skin, but very androgynous in appearance, so you can't really tell whether I'm a he or she is he asian yeah he he looks like he is some sort of like japanese and maybe middle eastern about six feet tall yeah and and, and muscular too fungy good thing i'm dressed in my sexy it outfit maybe I should do go not there. get in a jacuzzi with that man <laughs> we don't want to be in hot water with the yakuza yakuza jacuzzi <laughs> Don't schmoozy him in that jacuzzi. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go talk to him. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm not, okay. I mean, I'm I'm not going to stop you. You know, Sufungi, if, if you're looking this hot, why don't you just, like, go hit on him instead of trying to talk business? Exactly. Okay, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go hit on him. Okay, I'm ready. Just don't get in a jacuzzi. Let's do this. <clears throat> All right. So I can help but notice you from across the lobby and wondering what a guy like you would be doing here all by himself. Uh, so he's st- he's still on the phone, and he kind of like like looks over in your direction and puts like a finger up, um, to like let you know, you know, give me a second. Ooh, I grab his finger and put it in my mouth. Oh my god! <laughs> wow. <laughs> Abel's just like big eyes, mouth wide open, but two big thumbs up from across the room or street or whatever this is. Saul does the, the classic like, are you seeing this shit look to, to Abel? And just like, uh. Alright, um, so you do that, and he and he, uh, like, get to the, uh, to the person on the other end, it's just like, I'll call you back. The floor that you are on now, Sufang G. Um, contains the plumbing pipes and power lines um, that power the building and the equipment. The lighting in this labyrinth of corridors is poor, and you can hear the running of feet ahead of you. Running, 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 running. Uh, how close am I? Am I close enough to tackle? Okay, um, give me tracking roll. 26. You are able to maneuver through the this um, sort of labyrinth of... of, of piped hallways, uh, steam kind of kicking out at you every few feet. Um, you're actively sweating by the time you reach the end of this corridor. Amir is uh, just behind you. Um, he still has his gun drawn and he's just like, oh, I don't know how you got through that so fast. 
but, uh... Wow. Look at this place. A So, at the end of the long tunnel of pipes, there's a large, open room with a tall ceiling. To the left, in a corner, is a living area with dirty mattresses and sheets laying on the floor, a mini-fridge, and a small wire trash bin overflowing with wrappers and other trash. In the center of this room is a large apparatus of wires and electronics that descend from the ceiling and affix to the floor at a barber-style chair. Hundreds of glowing screens around this stalactite of technology illuminate a figure seated in the chair. An ancient-looking man that appears to be a permanent fixture to the room looks in your direction with two milky-white eyes, cables hardwired into his skull. Just behind him, partially obscured by the chair, is a young woman around 16 with a fire-red pixie uh, hairstyle and a goth-punk fashion sense. You take it that she is the person that you have been pursuing. So I think I've finally found you. Huh. Smoke. Um, okay, so now I should be more, like, stunned or, like, cautious about meeting you. But before we get started, I just want to say that your work is incredible. Like, I've never seen anything like it. And I'm starting to understand why. Hey, so uh, I am the voice actor for Saul. My name is Will, um, and I'm going to be portraying Saul Owen Jr., man. Like, uh, Saul is definitely a laid-back dude. He's from Cali, like, but he's kind of strange because for the time, he's actually retro. He grew up with his grandparents, so, like, he also grew up in their basement, man. So he found a lot of cool stuff down there, like lots of baggy old jeans and, like, Lots and lots of ancient baggy old pieces like flannel wear. So if you're looking at him, just imagine Kurt Cobain from the 90s. Okay. Classic baggy jeans, very loose fitting flannel over like some t-shirt. Kind of dirty, dirty blonde hair that's, I want to say about shoulder length. Um, But his most prized possession is an old school MUFON hat. So it's M-U-F-O-N. F-O-N. For uh, anybody who doesn't know, just type in MUFON. Go look it up. It'll open It'll open up your third eye, man. Um, he is a child of technology, but not, not in the way that Soifungi is. Um, he definitely does a little bit more of uh, the hard tinkering. He likes to work with um, all sorts of uh, different technology in his hands, but he's most proficient with uh, actually building and maintaining guns and weaponry um that's what he was hired to do and although he seems kind of like a spazzy goofball from time to time if you give him the ability to and you give him the tools he can make something pretty deadly pretty quick hey man cool cool kimono man yeah buddy it's authentic yeah you i like your hat you believer i never believed in uh much myself but you know it's kind of one of those kind of one of those deals where you don't know until you know you know Saul instantly, like, the whole world drops away from him for a whole second, and he's just so elated that somebody sees and knows his hat. He's like, man, you wouldn't believe the kind of people I know who just don't understand what it is to believe, man. I'm glad you're a true believer. Saul, as you sleep, um, you start to dream. You are in a familiar place. Somewhere you have revisited time and time again in your dreams. Before you sits a man in a police uniform, 
He has draped a blanket over your shoulders, and you feel its scratchy polyester blend on your skin. His mouth moves impossibly slowly as his lips form the words parents, accident, and death. The whole scene around you and the cops uh, moves quicker than reality. Forms moving through the police station as blurs of blue. He watches the cop's lips form the words, and you look past him in disbelief at the light on the ceiling. The same light you remember from your kitchen, and the buzzing is incessant. As you are drawn like a moth to this light, the scene around you changes. Suddenly, you are laying in a bed of white sheets in a very bright room. Rays of sunlight sheet through the sheer white curtains and set aglow the blonde curly locks on the head of your sleeping companion. She opens her golden hazel eyes and stares with contentment at you through those pools of honey, a smile forming on her face. You feel a renewed contentment you haven't felt in a long time, but you can't figure out why. As you lay on your pillow, looking at her, her face begins to change and contort into that of horror and pain. Her arm shoots up from her sides and grabs your cheeks, and she says, Saul, you must save me. Help me, Saul. The dream falls away from you as a swirling black vortex engulfs the room, sucking the curtains, bedsheets, and finally the woman into its shuddering aperture. You hear her screams fade as you are left alone in a black abyss. As before, you leap to consciousness, drenched in sweat and breathing hard. Saul jumped up with a gasp and then just leans over and retches and vomits all over the floor. Was that bathroom, like, unisex? Because I don't see Claudia. Could I... Like, it was it was a single bathroom. Okay, I'm gonna go hop into the bathroom then and look and see if Claudia's there, because I don't see her. She was supposed to follow you. Alright, I'll be back in a minute. Do, 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 do. So, you open the door to the bathroom. Um, she's... She's not anywhere that you can... that you can see her. Uh, Claudia. Claudia. Like, are you in here somewhere, man? Claudia. Alright, you're starting to scare me a little bit, Claudia. Claudia. Come on, you're starting to fucking scare me now, man. Claudia. Sufunji, I think he's fucking lost it. As you leave the coffee shop, it's still downpour. Um, and Saul, you're walking towards, uh, some sort of public transit. Uh, maybe it's like a, maybe it's just like waiting for a cab or something like that. And Claudia returns. She, her form glitches back into your view. Uh, and she's gasping for air and she says, I don't want to do that again. I couldn't find you. Oh my God. What, what? Claudia, like what happened? Like you were... You were there. I mean, the coffee shop wasn't that big. I didn't think back in the warehouse, like you, you went that far and you didn't disappear on me. You couldn't, you couldn't see me. I didn't, I didn't know where to come back to. And, and I got, I got lost. I don't, I don't want to go there again. And she's got like tears coming down her face. Okay. 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 It's okay. It's okay. I'm not going to ask you to do that again. I'm sorry. That was, that was my fault. I, I didn't know. All right. I, I didn't think that would happen. You know, I, I wouldn't, I would, I wouldn't ask you to do that if I knew that was what was gonna happen. Okay. Um. 
Okay, so you gotta be... You gotta be within my line of sight. Okay, um... Alright, there's something to think about. Um... Okay. I... I'm gonna go back to the longshoreman and drop the keys off, and we are never going back to that place again. I can tell you that, okay? Okay. And she turns, uh, and just kind of looks up at the sky as the rain kind of just falls through her. Um, and she, without turning to you, just says, about what you said earlier, about death having, uh, no, no meaning, there are fates worse than death, Saul. Like, like what you got going on? She kind of just, she kind of looks at you and she says, what? I'm sorry, like, were you, what you have going were you on? talking? Um, I, I don't know, I, I heard, I heard the, I heard you say the exact lines from Blade Runner, so I was like, whoa. But, um, wait, wait, so you're, are, are, do you know if you're, you're dead or not? You said there's fate worse than death, and that I don't, it, I don't remember, say, I don't remember saying that. Okay, 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 okay. Um, I'm just gonna jump on this bus real quick, and we're gonna go to the longshoreman, and we're just gonna we're just gonna be quiet on the bus for the ride. Just gonna think, think, think. think. I got producers to to appease, so I'm just gonna have to keep hitting you with this big stick. That okay? Um, not really, but like I understand where you're coming from, man. It's hard to escape from the you know producer style Illuminati that they have going on in there. Let's break a window with a lamp and or whatever I have. It is a steel lamp, so this lamp has the same hitting power as big nooks. Seven. You break the glass. Fuck yeah! Fuck, 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 fuck. Okay, don't fall out the window. All right, all right. And then I'm just gonna uh, kind of lift the the lamp and just say, uh, Saul, do you, do you need this or can I have it? No, like it's all good now. I, I, I've my mind has been opened. Uh, my my plan has been expanded. Okay, right. I'm gonna cut the electrical cord off of it and then start taking off my hoodie and put together a. Thing. You hear the guards returning, Saul, from beyond the door, and um, they have now rec- retrieved the battering ram, so a steady stream of thunks start happening. Oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck. Can Saul run up to the door, and can he pry open the, uh, the locking mechanism and then try to rewire it so that it's running a constant stream of electricity into the door itself? I don't see why not. All right. Give me a, a jerry rig. All right. Solid. He's going to run up and do that. All right. Uh, jerry is 10, and I just rolled a 5, so I think that's 15 overall. All right. Yeah, I'm going to say that it does what you want it to do. How lethal it is, that's to be debated. Okay. That Yeah, that makes sense. And then after he does that, he's just going to kind of like back away and like try to get behind the cover again and then just you know he's he's just getting ready he's like guys i I mean let's let's get ready to get out of here man amos is continuing to speak in a scottish accent but gavin can't pull it off tonight for some fucking reason so he's just gonna do gavin's voice 
Yeah, in the South Wharf, the only thing adjacent to a bodega is um, a guy who sells things out of shopping carts. Oh, man, it's Magic Mike. The guy who sells shit out of shopping carts. What do you want? Um, I would like some chocolates that are not too melty. Um, if they have alcohol in them, that would be preferred. And your least dead flowers, please. Well, I got these synth flowers off a windowsill last week. They should be pretty good. Lovely. Uh, I don't know how much he's told you about some of the stuff he's done for me, but uh, uh, there there was one incident where they they did take a homeless man's uh, leg uh, and... What? Yeah, crazy, right? But... Uh, no, I, you know, it's just odd jobs here and there for, for a, um, a, a person with a s- swift gun hand and, uh, the ability to absorb bullets. <laughs> Alright, well, it was nice meeting you, Kissy Kate, and, uh, Saul just kind of, like, pats her on the, the hand. And I'll, uh, I'll see you around, okay? Nice meeting you too, you tall drinker ass. <laughs> what the fuck was that? <laughs> Claudia, Claudia's floating around, and, and uh, after witnessing that conversation, she's just like, I think she wants to have sexual relations with you. Abel heard it depressing and was like, that's high. I mean, well, Abel's gotten contracted to murder somebody. Um, Saul's got, like, a, a brain tumor that's talking to him. Uh, so depressing, maybe. Fits. Sounds like I need some espresso. Abel's gonna go out for coffee. We do not all get along, but when it really comes down to it, I'm not going to force you to talk about anything that you don't want to talk about, or if you need time alone, I totally understand. Just remember that. All right, all right. Uh, teammates, I guess is like what we're called. What, what are we gonna call ourselves, teammates? Associates. <laughs> 